I would like to welcome the students here this morning. Whether you are new or returning, my name is Jason Lancaster, and I'm a pastor here at Evanston Bible Fellowship. I know there may be a lot of different reasons why you have showed up this morning. I remember when I went off to college and the my motivations uh, for going to church early on were to meet girls. I was very disappointed. There weren't many of them there. I picked the wrong church. Uh, about nine months later after that uh, freshman introduction, I became a Christian and a Christ follower. And that's when I started to go to church to learn about Jesus and get in his word and to meet girls. So... No. Uh, it's my hope here of being here this morning. Uh, you will know God more through his son, Jesus. And one of the ways we grow closer to the Lord is by getting in his word. And it's usually around this time in the service. We're not going to do it today, so don't do it. But it's usually around this time we ask you to raise your hand to borrow a Bible if you did not bring one. But we are not going to do that this morning. In fact, we're going to do something that may seem a bit heretical. I'm going to ask you not to even read your Bible this morning. Don't leave yet. I'm not going to ask you to even read your Bible this morning because what we're going to do is a little bit different. Let me explain. We're a church that preaches through books of the Bible. We just start in verse 1 and go all the way to the end. Um, we just finished 1 John. A couple of months from now, we're going to start the book of Matthew. But today we're going to start the book of Malachi. That's really in the Bible. There is a book called Malachi in the Bible. It's the last book of the Old Testament. And the reason why I don't want you to look at it this morning is because I was wondering, what would it be like for you to hear Malachi like the Israelites heard Malachi? And I was wondering, what would it be like for me to prophesy to you like Malachi? It'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? So for the past, I don't know how long, I've been working on memorizing Malachi so I can prophesy, preach to you, and you can receive it without looking down. Like you can just, be, just act like you're an Israelite, and you, you, you just, you'll just hit it. You'll just get it. All right? So let's make an agreement today. Read the Bible every Sunday but today. Don't read along. I want you to really experience the full effect as the Israelites would experience that. Now, before we jump in and, and listen to Malachi, it's not going to make any, any sense to you unless you have some context. So let me give you a little bit of context, and then we're going to jump into it. For starters, these are Israelites living in the 5th century, in it? BC, which means nothing to you probably. Their parents and grandparents were rebellious against God. And so what happened is God deported them from their homeland to Babylon as they were, they were conquered by the Babylonians. Now the policy of the Babylonians was to take conquered people and spread them throughout the empire so they could not bond together and create an uprising. So the Israelites were spread throughout the Babylonian Empire and they weren't able to come together to topple the government. Well, there was a time when the Babylonians were toppled by the Persians and the Persians brought in a different policy. And the policy of the Persians was to allow their conquered people to return back to their land and practice their religion. 
So the Israelites, yay, get to come back to their land, and they came back with a passion, excitement, zeal. They came back, they built the temple, they got the sacrificial system going again, and there's a lot of zeal and, and a lot of passion. And as they're building, there are these prophets that are, that are giving these prophetic pronouncements about God coming to dwell in his temple, about the conquering of their enemies, and they're just, yeah, yeah, and they're building and, and they're pumped up. But their expectations were dashed. And things weren't looking like they were supposed to look. In fact, things were not just disappointing. They were dismal. For starters, they were just a postage stamp of what they used to be. Let, let me show you a map. Okay, I'm going to get that map. Check this out. They're Judea. Now, before they were deported. Back in the day, they had a lot of the properties <laughs> surrounding them. But as you can tell, the nations, their enemies are surrounding them, and they are just a postage stamp, basically, of what they used to be. They have very little land with their enemies all around. And not only land, uh, that, but their, their, their land is full of drought. Their crops are failing. And, and the worst thing of all, besides the postage stamp of land, besides the failed crops, God is not in his temple. Back in the day, the glory of the Lord used to be in the temple, and there was great manifestations of his power and his presence, but now God is no longer in his temple. He's gone. He's not dwelling physically there. And so during this time of the return, it required a lot of faith because there wasn't a lot of evidence of his moving. It required a lot of faith. But unfortunately, instead of exhibiting this radical faith, it caused them to doubt God's love. They thought to themselves, why should we even serve God? What's the point of serving him? He doesn't seem to care about us. So why should we even care? And so they returned to the land with passion, but now their passion has turned to apathy. They're apathetic. And though this book was written many years ago, man, it is so relevant today. We are people who can be so passionate about Jesus, so passionate about the things of, Lord, of the Lord, have this great faith, and then things don't go the way we want them to. It can cause us to have doubts whether he's real, whether he's really moving in our lives. And sometimes we can start to doubt his love. And then we can get to these seasons of apathy. Some of you may say, I just feel real numb to the things of the Lord. I feel real cold to the things of the Lord. And these seasons of apathy can just go on and on and on. And, and yes, you show up for church, but you're not really here. You're not here. You're somewhere else. You don't care. You're apathetic. You just blah. And so Malachi comes along, and he was supposed to be a wake-up call to the Israelites. He is a wake-up call for you this morning, if that's you. Now, you know what happens when you wake someone up, right? If they're not waking up very well, you scream really loud in their face. Wake up, wake up, wake up, louder than that, and until they, they wake up. 
But when you're in a spiritual stupor, it's going to take some, some eccentric and extravagant screaming in your face. And so today, you may think that I'm mad at you, but I'm not. I'm just trying to give the, the sense of the way that Malachi would come across to the Israelites because they're sleeping spiritually and he's trying to awaken them. Now, at the heart of the Israelites' apathy is this. They were blaming God for all their hardships. But the reality is, it's their fault. It was their grandparents, it was their parents that rebelled against God and sent them into exile in the first place. And it's their rebellion against God right now that's causing all the drought and problems in their land. They are like like the 20-something who goes out to a party, gets so drunk, comes home to his place so drunk, throws up all over his apartment, trashes his apartment because he's drunk and he's raging against his furniture, and then he somehow passes out, wakes up the next morning, looks around and says... Who did this? That's the Israelites. Who caused this? It's not us. It must be God. God, you're the one that's causing all of our problems. But the reality is, it's their hearts. And that may be the reality for you this morning. Rather than pointing fingers at God or pointing fingers at someone else, you may need to point the finger at your heart. So what follows in Malachi is six disputations for you lawyers out there. Six disputations. This is such an interesting book. There's not much out there in the Bible like it. They're they're charges that that God brings against his people to wake them up. And you know what they do? They don't just sit there. They're like that kid like a little kid, maybe like you were when you were little, I'm sure, like me, when your parents say something to you and you challenge them. What? Why? Huh? What are you talking about? That's, that's how the Israelites are. They're like a little kid, and, and they're very cynical. And so what Malachi does, you, you may think it sounds very sarcastic. It's because it is sarcastic. He takes their cynicism, and he turns it into sarcasm, and he makes them look like fools. And the reason why he's doing it is to try to wake them up. So what I'm going to do to try to have you follow these six disputations, I'm going to move uh, through six distinct points on the stage up here so you can follow along with the six disputations. I'm going to get to you really quick just so you'll know what they're about. Disputation number one is doubting God's love. Doubting God's love. Did you know that when you doubt God's love, it can lead to a variety of problems in your life? And what the Israelites were doing, they're saying, you don't love us. If you loved us, you would treat us differently than you treat our enemies. But you treat our enemies just like you treat us. You don't love us. And God's like, what are you talking about? I have made a distinction between you and your enemies. And that's where you're going to hear the name Esau. You're going to hear the name Edom. And God is going to say, I've made a distinction. I love you. The second disputation is failing to bring 
God honor. God wanted his name great among the nations, and one of the ways that the people were to bring his name fame was through their worship. But their priests were going through the motions of worship. You know what they would do? They were like cooperate in their dysfunction with the people. They would have this healthy male animal, and they would say, I vow this to the Lord, which means they wouldn't sacrifice it. They would set it aside, and then they'd bring this dysfunctional animal, blemished sacrifice, sick, lame animal, and they would say, I offer this to the Lord. They're just going through the motions of worship. And I want every preacher in here soon-to-be preacher, every elder, deacon, ethos, community leader in here, you better pay attention to this section because it's the longest one in Malachi. God is going off on people who go through the motions, who go through the motions of religion and lead people through the motions of religion and have no desire of a heart relationship with him that honors him and brings glory to his name. Every leader in here, pay attention. Disputation number three. Oh, boy. Unfaithfulness in marriage. You're not going to believe what these guys were doing. So they return to the land. They're surrounded by all the pagan women. And so they're like, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, maybe they're thinking, man, these pagan women look good. I don't know what they're thinking. But they're, a lot of them are divorcing their wives because they've lost affection for them, even though they don't think they look as good. They're based on aversion. And then they, they married pagan women. And a lot of them were just divorcing just to divorce their wives. So the, so the men in here need to really listen to disputation number three, especially those of you who are single in your dating life. Don't be dating non-Christians. Like, where are you going with that? You want to get married? Christians from the Old Testament to the New Testament is talking about God's people not being yoked unequally with unbelievers. It's, it's even in Malachi. And for those of you who are married, guard yourself in your spirit. Do not be faithless to the wife of your youth. Guard yourself. Don't let your mind go in another direction. Guard yourself. The fourth disputation, guilty of corrupting society. So through their actions of immorality and oppression, they are spurning the righteousness of God. And this, you've got to pay attention to the fourth one because you know what it talks about there? It talks about God sending the Messiah, Jesus. And it talks about someone who's going to be a forerunner for the Messiah. And you know, what's interesting is that Malachi is the last book of the Bible and then we have 400 years of silence. And 400 years later, the forerunner shows up. And he is the next prophet to speak in the New Testament after 400 years. And do you know what his name is? John the Baptist. Whoo! Isn't that amazing? God says, John the Baptist is coming. Silence. 400 years. John the Baptist shows up. He's an Elijah-like figure. When you hear the term Elijah in Malachi, he's an Elijah-like figure who prepares the way for the Messiah. And when the Messiah comes, he is the refiner of his people and the judge of the wicked. So listen, Disputation 4 talks about the Messiah. Disputation number 5, the robbing of God. 
people would bring their offerings, but it wasn't even close to the, the required amount. They were actually, can you imagine robbing God? That's not a good thing to do, which means they were holding back the right amounts they were supposed to give. They were still giving the offering, but they were stealing over here. You know, they're holding back. They're not giving him the full amount. And once again, it's a challenge of us not to be cheap with God and to rob him of what is rightly his. Disputation six, evildoers will be judged. God will come in judgment and no one will escape. But those who love and worship God will flourish. When the Messiah comes, it talks about the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. When the Messiah comes, there will be forgiveness of sins. You will leap like calves from the stall. When the Messiah comes, there will be great rejoicing and yet great judgment upon the wicked. Now, those are the disputations. Two more quick things. Two things to listen for. You're going to hear the term, the Lord of hosts, over and over again, because it's the Lord speaking. Malachi is talking, but he's saying, the Lord of hosts says this. The Lord of hosts says this. And it's interesting that he says the Lord of hosts. Like, what? Because host has to do with armies. And they're like, we're just a postage stamp. We have no army. We're marginalized in the Persian Empire. And God's like, yeah. But you got the Lord of hosts on your side, speaking to you, greater than any army. But the thing I want you to listen to the most, you have to wait for it. God's going to say, return to me, and I will return to you. There is much grace in the Old Testament, and there is grace throughout Malachi. He says, return to me. So for those of you who are apathetic, who are cold, who are distant, who are totally distracted from the Lord right now, that is for you. Return to me. Today is a day to return, to find repentance in Jesus Christ, to find complete forgiveness in the Messiah that has come. Return to me, and I will return to you. So as we do this, just listen. If you want to read, read it after the service. I really want you to act like you are totally listening as they would listen back in the day. And see what God wants to say to you. We're about to hear his word. Is this not powerful? We're about to hear his word. Straight through. It's not very long. I know some of you have been checking your Bibles thinking, man, how long is this going to go? It's only four chapters. It's short. Don't freak out. But it's a short exhortation that we all need to hear. So what I want to do, I want to begin it by prayer. So let's pray. Lord, we are about to hear your word. And I ask, Lord God, that you would speak to someone here who has hardened their heart against you, who is numb, who is apathetic, or who is spiritually asleep. And that we wouldn't listen to the sternness of your voice and run away from you, but that we would see that it's kindness. It's your kindness to wake us up. It's your kindness to rebuke us. It's your kindness to refine us, to purify us, to discipline us, 
because you're drawing us to you. So may this not just be an exercise of hearing your word, but an exercise of hearing and repenting and doing. May we not doubt your love and we see it through Jesus on the cross, the Messiah who has come, who's been crucified for our sins. Awaken us today. Awaken every single person in here. In Jesus' name, amen. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet, I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now, let us entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts but you profane it 
when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised? But you say, what a weariness this is! And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished? For I am a king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it, says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I loved my priest. I kept him. His lips continually brought glory to my name. He pleased me in what he spoke. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from my way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. And so, I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you 
and the wife of your youth to whom you've been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves and your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of his youth. For the man who hates and divorces, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in him. Or by asking Where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. 
bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man who spares his son who serves him. Then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter 
destruction. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, that you have given us your word, that your word never returns void. And as your word has been heard and our hearts may the hearing of your word not harden us, but soften us. As we have come in here for a lot of different reasons, from a lot of different backgrounds, and from a lot of different issues, may we return to you knowing that we are forgiven in Jesus, knowing that you will give us full access to you through Jesus. Thank you that the messenger of the covenant in whom we delight has come. And we ask right now, Lord, that you would impress upon us the reality of your calling to us. And as we go through this time of worship, Lord, may we worship in spirit and in truth. May we sing the words that we believe. May we lay aside everything, cast down all our idols, push things away that are distracting us from Jesus, and run straight with our eyes fixed on you until we meet you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.